So、um, let's read the Bible on John chapter three, verse one to twenty-one. This is on page nine hundred thirteen on our church Bibles. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no, no one who." Could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, "Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again." How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, "Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit." Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, "You must be born again." The wind blows wherever it pleases; you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher," said Jesus, "and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict: Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light, for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth. Comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Thanks, May.、Uh, good morning. My name's Andrew.、Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Sydney Hill. It's great you can. It's great you can join us、uh, for church this morning. I'm excited about the baptisms later on. I am actually excited to get in the water. In the harbour today, it's not as sunny as we'd like,、uh, but I think the sun is supposed to peak out a little bit later.、Um, so、um, it'll be exciting to celebrate a、uh, new life that people have in Jesus, and that's what's uh, uh, on the table this morning as we look at John chapter three. So will you pray with me as we、uh, get stuck into this part of God's word? Heavenly Father, thank you so much、um, for uh, your word, Lord. We pray. This morning, with a particular mind to the work of your Spirit,、uh, that He may work amongst us, so that we can hear your words and enter your kingdom by His work in us and through us. 
that there might even be people here this morning who for the first time move from death to life, who are baptised in the water and the spirit, who move from being your enemies to being your friends because of your work in them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the great things about being a parent is that you get to see your children discover things for the first time. Uh, like, obviously, that's really exciting when they're like babies and toddlers and they discover their feet and faces and all that sort of stuff. But, um, like, we're, we're still at the stage where our kids are learning things for the first time and it's quite fun. So Lucy learnt, uh, this week, uh, that color blindness is a thing. She was reading a book and she was like, what on earth is this? Um, and so I started to explain to her color blindness. Uh, and I started, I pulled out my phone and I started to show her some of those tests that they have for color blindness. Uh, and so I, I showed her this one. Uh, no, the next one. There we go. I showed her this one and she's like, oh yeah, I can see a seven. Now there's a lot of you looking very confused and very concerned. And before you jump on the phone to your optometrist, uh, that's a control test. That's not it. There's actually no number there. If you can see a seven there, come talk to me because you can, you can see things I can't see. Uh, I asked Lucy and she's like, oh, well, I was, I, I was squinting a bit and I kind of joined up some of the dots and I think there's a seven there. Uh, she can't see a seven there, but let me know if you can. Uh, being able to see something when others can't or not being able to see something when others can is kind of what uh, is on the agenda of this passage. Uh, today's passage begins with a bit of a vision test. Uh, John chapter 3 uh, records this conversation between Jesus and a man called Nicodemus. Uh, and Nicodemus thought that he could see something. He thought he could see signs of the kingdom of God. Uh, he thought he understood and knew what Jesus was here to do. Uh, now, from what we can tell in the text, uh, Nicodemus is a fairly important man. Have a look at verse 1 with me there. It'd be great if you could have your Bible open to chapter 3, verse 1 of John's Gospel. Uh, it'd be great if um, we could start a culture. Of, uh, uh, we provide Bibles at church, but it'd be great if people could bring their own Bible so you can see this in your Bible. Um, there'll always be a Bible here for you, but bring your own from home if you've got one. Um, uh, if you don't have one, please take one with you. Uh, but chapter 3, verse 1 uh, we see Nicodemus is a fairly important man. Verse 1, uh, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, him being a Pharisee, it means he was a religious conservative. He was very zealous to do the right thing, to follow the laws and the traditions, uh, but also says that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, uh, also known as the Sanhedrin. Uh, they were kind of the political and judicial leaders of the nation. Uh, later on in the passage, Jesus will call Nicodemus Israel's teacher. Uh, now, the words there, uh, it, it's not just a kind of thing you do, uh, but it's actually more like a job title. Uh, Jesus isn't saying to Nicodemus, you're a teacher in Israel. He's saying you are the teacher of Israel. It's like saying you're the grand mufti of Israel. You're the highest teacher in the land. You're the authority on all matters, theological and biblical uh, do you remember that during COVID, uh, there were kind of a few established experts uh, that we heard from all the time? Uh, there was Dr. Michael Baker, epidemiologist, Dr. Susie Wiles, microbiologist, and then there was like the kingpin of them all, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, the Director General of Health. And you pretty much just saw these same three people on rotation uh, because they were seen to be the established authorities. Everyone went to them for their knowledge and their wisdom and their expertise in the area. And so when it came to matters of theology and religion, 
at the time of Jesus, Nicodemus was the leading man. He was the leading authority. Uh, But when we look at this religious and political bigwig and he comes to Jesus, look when he comes, verse 2, he comes to Jesus at night. Now, I don't think he comes to Jesus because his diary was full during the day with all sorts of important engagements, uh, and that's the only time he could fit Jesus in. Uh, I think Nicodemus wants to keep this uh, meeting on the lowdown. He doesn't want to be seen uh, chatting with the matters of God with a rural Galilean lay preacher. I mean, he's the, the teacher of Israel. Uh, maybe he's a little bit embarrassed to be meeting with Jesus. Uh, but what does he want to talk about? Well, verse 2 again, uh, he comes to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with them. Now, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you will have seen Jesus turn water into wine. If you were here last week, you would have seen uh, Jesus clear out the temple. And then in the passage, it says uh, they had more to show. In chapter 2, verse 23, you can see it just up there. It says, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. You see, Jesus has been at work doing these signs and wonders and miracles, and people are noticing, uh, and not just any people are noticing, but Nicodemus and the Jewish leaders have noticed Jesus. Uh, And now before Nicodemus has really been able to kind of ask his question or raise his issue, Jesus kind of cuts to the chase with him. Jesus preempts what Nicodemus has come to talk about. Uh, You see it there in verse 3. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Uh, Now, on a first glance, we might be wondering, what on earth does Jesus' response have to do with what Nicodemus has just said? Nicodemus has just come and he's kind of opened with this compliment. Jesus, you've been doing some pretty impressive stuff. God must be part of what you're doing, says Nicodemus. Uh, But then Jesus says, no, 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 you've got to be born again. See, Jesus uh, can see in Nicodemus's, uh, in Nicodemus's words that Nicodemus is starting to draw some conclusions. Uh, see, Nicodemus comes to Jesus thinking that he has worked him out. He says, we've seen the miracles, Jesus. We're seeing the power of God at work in you. We're seeing what looks like to us to be the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, that was a big deal for these guys. The kingdom of God, it was kind of like the junk drawer kind of label uh, for everything that God's people were looking forward to. Everything that they'd been promised, everything that they hoped for. Uh, The kingdom of God was a time where all the wrongs of the world would be righted. Uh, It was the time where God would bring a new creation. It was a time where there would be forgiveness for sin and relationship with God. It's, It's a time where they could look forward to living with God in his presence for eternity. You see, the kingdom of God is this catch all phrase for all of those things. And for Nicodemus here, this, this Jewish man, this Jewish leader, there was nothing more important in his life than his hope for the kingdom of God. He would have been waiting for it since he was a little boy. And so he comes to Jesus, and what he's really saying is, is I've worked out what's going on, Jesus. I've worked it out. I can see the kingdom of God in your miraculous signs. I've worked it out, Jesus. But Jesus says, no, 
No, you haven't. Verse 3. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus, the kingdom of God is not the signs and wonders. The kingdom of God can't be worked out. It can't be understood from the outside. That that thing that you've been waiting for your whole life, you can only see it if you've been born again. Uh, Now, may use that phrase. Uh, We're pretty familiar with that phrase, but just have a think about it for a moment. It's a pretty weird phrase, to be born again. What does it actually mean? It's, it's no wonder that Nicodemus is puzzled. He says, verse 4, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, I think uh, old Nick has a point here. Um, I've got a photo up here of me and my mum. Now, my mum was here last week. Um, if she was here last week, I could have got up the front and you could have seen her in the flesh. Now, I'm six foot one, 185 centimetres. My mum is five foot two. 152 centimetres. I'm over 100 kilos, and I know women well enough to never ask their weight. (laughs) But you can see the problem, can't you? What on earth does Jesus mean? What does this being born again mean? What does this being born again that's required to see the kingdom of God possibly mean? Well, Jesus goes on to explain. Verse 5. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Um, It's one of these moments where Jesus is explaining, but we're kind of probably getting more confused as he goes along. Uh, Lots of people argue about what this means. Uh, What does it mean to be born of water? Uh, Some think it's when a baby is born, Uh, you know, when the waters break and a baby is born, so they think it's physical birth. Some think it's talking about baptism, so what we're going to do later on the day, uh, you know, and, and kind of baptizing with water has been on the agenda in John's gospel. Um, uh, maybe it's a connection with ceremonial washing uh, from the Old Testament, and so we saw two weeks ago those ceremonial washing jars at the banquet that got turned into wine. They're no longer needed anymore. But I think the clue for what Jesus is talking about is down there in verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things. See, Jesus expects that Nicodemus ought to know what he's talking about. It ought to be obvious, Jesus says, to someone who is an expert in the Old Testament scriptures. You see, when Jesus spoke of being uh, born of the water and of the spirit, Nicodemus's mind ought to have gone immediately to Ezekiel chapter 36 a part of the Old Testament that looked forward to the kingdom of God coming. And in Ezekiel 36, we read these promises from God. God promises to his people. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you. And Nicodemus should have known this. As he looked for the kingdom of God, Jesus says, this, Nicodemus, is what you should be looking for. This is what you should be looking forward to. Those who can enter the kingdom of God, they must be born of the water and the spirit. They must be cleansed by God and transformed by his spirit. And this idea of being born again, of of, of a rebirth, it's the idea of a fresh start. It's, It's leaving the old behind and having a new beginning. To be born again, Jesus says, it's such a profound change. It's like starting life all over again. And we heard that in May's story, didn't we? How great was that? 
A family that gets a fresh start. Having met Jesus. Having been washed clean. Having been filled by his spirit and given a new spirit. So I think what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here is he says is, unless you've been cleaned up by God and transformed by his spirit, you cannot see, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you cannot think your way into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you cannot work your way into the kingdom of God. And you certainly cannot understand and appreciate God's kingdom unless you have been born again. And we see this in verses uh, 6 to 8, this sort of transformation of this new birth. We see it, it's the work of God's Spirit. This is the work of God's Spirit. Uh, We can't conjure this up for ourselves. Verse 6, Jesus says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Uh, What Jesus is saying here is he's saying that like produces like. Uh, So, pigs give birth to pigs, and elephants give birth to elephants, and human beings produce human beings, uh, like produces like. And so flesh gives birth to flesh. But that's a problem. See, if we're sinful, fallen, broken human beings, how are we going to produce anything different? I mean, we don't see dogs giving birth to cats. And so how on earth are we going to see flesh-filled human beings giving birth to something that could possibly enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus says the only way is to be born again. But not born again of the flesh, but born again by God's spirit, because only spirit gives birth to spirit, says Jesus. But this new birth, this, this, this regeneration by the Spirit, it's not something that we might be able to see. Uh, it's not something that we can make happen. Uh, Nicodemus thought he could see the kingdom of God through the signs that Jesus was performing. Uh, I wonder if Nicodemus not only thought he could see the kingdom, uh, but I wonder whether Nicodemus was thinking whether he could have kind of get, got cut in on some of the action of the kingdom that he could have kind of had that power for himself. But it's not like that with God's spirit. Verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Now, uh, we live in Wellington. Uh, We know a thing or two about the wind here, don't we? Firstly, we know that anyone with an umbrella is not from around here. Um, I don't think I've held an umbrella in the 10 years I've lived in Wellington. Uh, uh, All over our city, we see the effects of the wind, don't we? Uh, We see the white caps on the harbour. We see the the rubbish bags uh, blowing down the streets. We see trees that grow on a funny angle uh, because of the wind that blows or trees in my garden that just don't grow at all. Uh, Often Adele and I will go, oh, the house is shaking. Is that an earthquake? Oh, no, that's the wind. We can see and hear the effects of the wind, but we can't see the wind itself. We know it's there, but we can't lay eyes on it. And Jesus is saying, the spirit is like that. Nicodemus wants to see the kingdom, but Jesus says, we can't see God's spirit. 
But just because we can't see God's spirit, that doesn't mean he is not at work. You see, God's spirit, the Bible tells us, it is at work here amongst us this morning. He is here as we gather as God's people. And he is here, not because we've conjured him up through the music, not because there's a special priest or person amongst us who can bring us into the presence of God. God's spirit is here as we meet as God's people, as we open his word, as we gather together and come to him in prayer. God's spirit is at work as we hear these words. And lives are transformed and empowered to live differently, to live for the kingdom. God's Spirit is at work in that Sunday school room down the hall as boys and girls hear the good news of Jesus from the Bible. And they're brought into the kingdom by the work of being born again by the Spirit. No, we don't see the Spirit. He is invisible. He is like the wind. But like the wind, we see the effects of God's Spirit, don't we? We see lives transformed. We see lives that are no longer ruled by the flesh, but ruled by the Spirit. And now the big point that Jesus is making here is, uh, how do you enter that kingdom? We need to be born again, and that is something that God does, that only God does. He does it in you by His Spirit. Now, you can grow up in a Christian family, and what a blessing that might be. But that does not mean you're automatically part of God's kingdom. You could come to the church, you could come to church all the time, and as good as that is, that does not turn you into a follower of Jesus. You could be christened by, christened as a baby. You could be baptized as an adult. You could have done confirmation or had the Lord's Supper. You could even be a leader here in church. But none of that means you've entered the kingdom of God. Jesus says you need to be born again. You need the work of God's Spirit in you to cleanse you and to transform you. But how does that work? How is that possible? How is it possible for God to cleanse us? We need to see and trust that Jesus is the Savior sent by God. We need to see and trust that Jesus is the Savior sent by God. And to explain this, Jesus takes Nicodemus again back to something he would have been very familiar with from the Old Testament. Uh, Have a look there at verse 14. Uh, Jesus says, verse 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes may have eternal life in him. Uh, Now, what Jesus is talking about here may not be completely obvious to us at first hearing, uh, but Nicodemus, he would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. Uh, In a very famous uh, part of the Old Testament uh, called the Exodus, uh, where God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, uh, they were traveling through the, 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 the desert to the promised land, uh, and we read in uh, a book in the Old Testament called Numbers in chapter 21, they start to get impatient with God. They start grumbling against God. They start to think that God is no longer good, but actually God is wanting to harm them. And we read this in Numbers 21. They, they, they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Uh, here they are kind of filling out the, the first ever kind of trip advisor can kind of complain about a restaurant. They're not happy with eating manna in the wilderness. One star. 
So they whinge and they grumble against God. And they challenge his goodness. God, you are not good because of what you have done to us. Uh, And as punishment, it's like they're sent to Australia. We read on, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. Now that pretty much stopped the complaining in its tracks. Uh, And the people came to Moses and they said, Moses, we're really, really sorry. Can you pray to God to take the snakes away so that we don't die? Uh, Now what happens is that God actually doesn't take the snakes away. Uh, Look what God did. God provides something to save the people. We see in Numbers 21 verse 8, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look up at it and live. Now think about it for a moment. That's a bit of a weird way to do it. I mean, God could have just taken the snakes away in the first place. I mean, he sent them there. He could have taken them away. That would have been a lot easier for the people. Then everyone would be rescued. Uh, But here in Numbers, not everyone was saved. Some people still did die. You see, what God did is he told Moses to take a snake and put it on a pole and only those who looked at the snake would live. See, God provided a way for anyone to be saved from death, but they had to trust in him. They had to look to the thing that he had given to save them. And that little episode back then with the snake on a pole, as strange as it is, Jesus is saying that that sign points to him just like when the snake was lifted up in the desert people could look at it and be saved jesus says so he will be lifted up he's talking about his death on the cross and anyone who looks to jesus and his death on the cross for them anyone who looks to that for their salvation well they will be saved says jesus they will be born again they will be washed clean and transformed by god's spirit You see, we need to see and trust the Saviour sent by God. Now, it's hard work. You're going to earn your your, your tea and biscuits this morning. So you've seen the connections between the kingdom of God and being born by the Spirit and the work of Jesus in dying on a cross. To see and enter God's kingdom, you need to be born again, born of the water and the Spirit, to be washed clean. And the way to be born again is to see and trust in Jesus the Saviour sent by God. And anyone who trusts in Jesus, they will live. Anyone who looks to Jesus will receive God's Spirit. Anyone who looks to Jesus will be welcomed into God's eternal kingdom. Uh, And to conclude, uh, John kind of steps in now. John, the author of the Gospel, he steps in and he tells us God's motivation for doing all of this. He tells us what's driving God to work this way. And the thing we see is that God is doing this because of love. John wants us to see the love of God in Jesus. Have a look with me. John 3.16. You've heard it before, but it's always worth reading again. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
You see, God is driven by love. Love for the world that he has made. Love expressed in the gift of his son, his one and only son. Love that drove him to the cross where he was lifted up and he was crucified so that whoever looks to him, whoever trusts in him, will be washed clean. They'll be born again. They'll be filled with God's spirit. Uh, C.S. Lewis concludes uh, this in his uh, poem about love. He says, Love as hard as nails. Love is nails. Blunt, thick, hammered through the medial nerves of one who, having made us new, the thing he had done, seeing with all that is our cross and his. God was driven by love, love as hard as nails. Nails that hung Jesus there on the cross, where he dies in our place. So that anyone who looks to him, anyone who believes in him, anyone who trusts in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And John makes it clear, God has done this. God has uh, done this. He's, he's sent his son Jesus into the world, driven by love, not by condemnation. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Jesus hasn't come to put us in our place. He has not come to put the nail in our coffin to seal our condemnation. Uh, verse 18 says, we already stand condemned before God. No, Jesus came to save. He came to save because of God's love. He came to bring eternal life to everyone who believes in him because God loves us. And so the burning question for all of us today is, have you looked to Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus? Have you entered God's eternal kingdom? Have you been washed clean? Have you been transformed by God's Spirit? Do you see Jesus as the Savior who was lifted up on the cross for your sin? Have you realized how much God loves you to send Jesus to die for you? The question is, do you see Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour. You. See, these words to Nicodemus are words to us today. Nicodemus comes to Jesus thinking he's connected all the dots, thinking the kingdom was coming by the the, the powerful signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, He came to Jesus thinking that he could secure his place in that kingdom by his good works or by his family connections or by his important job. Uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus and he thought he could get a cut in on what Jesus was doing and the power that was part of that kingdom. He came to Jesus thinking he had worked it out, that he'd worked it out all for himself. But Jesus tells him none of that matters. He tells us that none of that matters. The only thing that matters is that we are born again through trusting in Jesus. 
And so the end, in the end, it doesn't matter what, what group you're a part of, you could come to this church, you could go to an Anglican church, a Baptist church, a Presbyterian church, a Pentecostal church. It doesn't matter what church you're part of. It doesn't matter who your parents were. Your parents might have been missionaries or pastors. Uh, it doesn't matter what the rest of your family believes. God has children, not grandchildren. He only has children, not grandchildren. So no one can see the kingdom of God unless they themselves are born again. So are you? Are you? Have you personally looked to Jesus? Have you asked him to save you? It's not something automatically handed down from father to son, from mother to daughter. It's not something that you catch if you hang around God's people enough like COVID or the cold. You need to be born again. And if you're here today and you're like Nicodemus and you're not yet born again, you do not yet trust Jesus, maybe the Spirit of God is blowing. Maybe as you've heard of God's love in his word, as you've seen the love of God, as Jesus dies in your place on that cross, Maybe for the first time, even today, you are being brought to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, even today, you are finding yourself being washed clean and filled with God's Spirit. Today would be as good a day as any to come and trust in Jesus. Now, I'm going to finish with this. Nicodemus is an interesting man. He's an interesting guy. He comes to Jesus, he thinks he's worked it out. Uh, he comes to Jesus, but he has been humbled. He hasn't seen, and he cannot enter the kingdom of God because he has not yet been born again. But that's not the end for old Nicodemus in John's Gospel. Uh, in chapter 7, we'll see that Nicodemus, he's, he's softening to Jesus. Uh, where the people want to arrest Jesus and, 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 and kill him without due process, Nicodemus stands up for Jesus. And then, fast forward to chapter 19 of John's Gospel, who goes with Joseph of Arimathea to ask for Jesus' body? Who brings the spices to anoint the body that was lifted up on the cross? It's Nicodemus. Born again. You see, Jesus wasn't done with him. And Jesus isn't done with you. And those you know and those you love who still are far from God, he isn't done with them either. You can look to him right now. You can turn to him and trust in him and be washed clean, filled with his spirit and born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the work of your Spirit as we read your word together. Lord, we pray that we might be a people who uh, see Jesus 
has the great gift from you, the one who has died for our sins, that your spirit might work in us so that we are washed clean and we are born again and we are filled with your spirit and given a new heart. Lord, we pray that we might be welcomed into your eternal kingdom, not because of what we've done, not because of what we worked out, but because of what you have done for us in Jesus and what you have done in us by your spirit. And Lord, we pray for those amongst us here or even those that we know who do not yet know Jesus. Lord, we pray that you will work in their hearts so they might be born again, so they might enter your heavenly kingdom, so they might have eternal life with you. And we pray all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, If the band want to pop up, uh, we're going to respond to God's word by reminding ourselves that the life that we live now, if we are part of Jesus' family, uh, it is not our own, but is lived now for him, the one who has saved us, the one who indwells us by his spirit, the one who has made us born again. So please stand as we sing together.